Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry, with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner DelVal. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. I'm Jeff Fowler, one of your co-hosts for today. With me as the other co-host, as always, Tanner DelVal. Tanner, welcome. How you doing, Jeff? How's life out in uh, Western PA? Oh, we're surviving. We've had some very, very timely rains. Um, not like you guys have had, um, where you're getting um, overloaded with rain. Um, but we are, we're, we're timely. We've had some really hard showers here the last, the last five, six days and things. Um, I was on a yard yesterday that um, looked as good as uh, anything I've seen for a long time in the middle of July with no irrigation. Um, I, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I've been uh, been out on some fields and some lawns and I, I could definitely agree. I was actually pleasantly surprised at how well I'll say the turf health is, um, we definitely do have some weed issues. Nut sedge is really steamrolling along any crabgrass along edges. And then I'm seeing a lot of leaf spot and valor spot. Um, they seem to be the big ones, uh, a little bit of pythium here and there, but, uh, yeah, it's that time of the year. I mean, if it's gotta be protected turf, you gotta be doing your maybe try buy or try weekly sprays of, uh, of a, some sort of a fungicide or fungicide program, hopefully. But other yeah, than that, yeah, it's it's looking pretty good. It's definitely um, the the funguses are definitely out and and doing their damages. Um, we, we speaking of funguses, we have like the king fungus with us today <laughs> as our as our special guest. But Tanner, while, while we're on funguses, um, it, is there anything that are we can tell tell people homeowners that. Of, of ways to control these things, slow them down, stop them from trashing yards altogether. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously the easiest thing it'd be to hire a professional to spray, but fungicides are pretty expensive and they don't last for super long, but cultural practices like proper mowing height. I think a big one that I've noticed and I took pictures and obviously this is a podcast, so this is just audio, but I took pictures yesterday of a lawn that you could literally see the lines where that mower, they must've mowed it when there was a lot of moisture out there or when it was wet. I mean, you could just see it all over. And then the lawns right next to it, look, they don't, they don't show that same thing. And you could see that that mower tracked it around. So not mowing, especially if there's active mycelium or disease present while it's, while it's wet, um, proper fertilization, you know, you don't want to under fertilize a, a lot of our most common diseases that we deal with in turf are typically what we call, low nitrogen diseases like dollar spot, red thread. And then once we get into September, we'll probably start seeing more rust. And those typically you can fertilize to get them to grow out, get the lawn to grow out of. But um, there are some high nitrogen diseases like um, definitely brown patch, for instance, on tall fescue. You know, if you put too much nitrogen down, it gets too, uh, too lush. And then obviously that's a problem. So proper fertility, proper mowing height. Obviously this time of the year, you want to mow pretty high. Um, and, uh, irrigation is important too. You want to water deeply and infrequently, you know, you don't want to be out there watering every day. 
don't water, you know, at night or right before dark, because then you're promoting all that leaf wetness out there, which is, that's how our diseases spread. So maybe our, uh, our guest here, our professor, uh, the, uh, the fungus among us is going to uh, give us some, some insight and some other ideas. Yeah, we, we can come up with all kinds of names for our special guest today. And, and the good news of our guest is that, that he'll take all of them. Um, anything we say about him, he'll take it with pride. Our, if you haven't figured out, our, our special guest today is Dr. Mike Fidanza. Um, Mike um, is a, a professor of plant and soil science at Penn State. Um, he's not at the University Park um, campus where the rest of the turf professors are. Um, Dr. Fidanza is actually at one of our um, Commonwealth campuses out in Berks County, um, in Re just outside of Reading. Um, and, and he's actually one of the places where at his research farm, um, the one we call Valentine East, um, because we have our Valentine research farm up at main campus. But um, Tanner um, actually has some of his PhD research at, at Mike's research facility there in Valentine East. And so they have a pretty good relationship. Our son was actually a student of one of Mike's. I've known I, Mike. One of the I've, best, yes. I've, yeah, well, I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> um, Mike is, uh, I've known Mike for a lot of years. Mike's a great guy, good friend, um, and welcome to the show, Mike. I'll leave it at that. Hey, before oh, before yeah. before Mike starts here, you mentioned that Mike and I do have a good relationship, and I want to keep that. I didn't call him the fungus among us. I was <laughs> referring that he maybe our special guest can talk about the fungus among us, sure, so I want to sure. keep that relationship with Mike going pretty well. <laughs> no, that's. That's fine, you guys. I, I thank you for uh, for inviting me here on this fresh cut grass uh, program of yours. I've I've heard great things of, about the program. Uh, you're getting a lot of um, uh, folks listening in, so that's great. You guys are doing something correct. I hope I hope with me being here today, we can keep the membership and the uh, listeners going. Um, great, great to be here. Um, I've been called. Um, King of the fairies, Lord of the Rings, uh, because of all my fairy ring work. Uh, so yeah, all those names are, are, are perfectly fine with me. Um, you mentioned Valentine East. Well, if you don't mind, I'll give you a little bit of background. Go um, for it. I was in. Uh, I grew up in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, my father was a mushroom farmer. And so I guess uh, working on a fairy ring is it's, it's a natural fit for me. I, I guess I've always had it in me, uh, <laughs> growing mushrooms as a kid. And I went to school at Penn State to study agriculture because I was, I'm not sure many folks know, I was going to go back and take over the farm and, and make a lot of money. That was the plan originally. <laughs> but, um, but then I stayed at Penn State, discovered, you know, uh, botany and soils and plants and turf and really loved that. And I, I got, got a chance to complete a master's degree at Penn State under uh, Dr. Don Waddington. Many of you know Don, Dr. Waddington, made an impact, of course, in sports turf. He had uh, unfortunately passed away this past little uh, de December, January 1st or whatever, but but he was a great, Dr. Waddington was, was, was one of the best. So I, I got a master's degree under Dr. Waddington, and I stayed and worked with him for another year as a technician. I think I learned more in that year than, <laughs> than all my college years combined. And then I was able to get a PhD at the at University of Maryland under Dr. Peter Jernoden in uh, plant pathology. So that's again uh, the uh, the turf diseases and the plant pathology component 
uh, moved that right along. And I started working on farriering early on in my career because no one else was. And, um, and so, yeah, so I was in industry uh, from 95 to 2000 research and development. And then in 2000, was able to, uh, to become a faculty member at Penn State Berks campus um, there in, uh, in scenic historic Reading, Pennsylvania. Now, when I started, um, they wanted me to develop a research station and uh, I, I couldn't have done it without the help of industry and industry support uh, from Golf Course Superintendents Association, Pennsylvania Turf Race Council, sports turf folks, uh, Dan Douglas, who's my neighbor there at the Reading Phillies. Uh, industry supports really have, have helped uh, uh, to develop this research station. And uh, you mentioned Valentine East. The, um, the industry folks uh, started calling it Valentine East, and then the name stuck because of the Joe Valentine Center at University Park, and this is eastern part of the state. So the name Valentine East kind of sticks with us, and I like that. I think that's, that's a great. Uh, so we have about 30 acres now, various blocks of turf. Creeping bank grass, tall fescue, rye grass. Um, we have NTEP trials there. We have so many trials going on. We actually have a par four golf hole. Um, trying to work with Dan Douglas to put in some some more sports turf. And then we have we have an actual graduate student. Uh, you might have heard of Tanner Duval. We got a graduate student there working on Blue Muta. I think it's great. Now my campus again for your listeners. Um, it's a um, we have four year degrees there now, but most of our ag students all of our agricultural science students and turf majors, they just stay there for the first two years uh, and then the third and fourth year you know, up at University Park. But we have four-year degrees at the campus now and many other majors. It's about 3,000 students altogether. But it's great to have, a. Uh, we don't have a graduate program per se, but it's great to have Tanner there to complete some of his uh, graduate research there. It gives us more credibility <laughs> at Valentine's, it really does. It's great to have a graduate student research there. But anyway, at, at Penn State Berks campus, I do a lot of teaching, intro turf science, intro turf courses, soil science. I teach a couple of botany courses for non-science majors. And anyway, sprinkle all that in there. Along the way, I've been doing a lot of fairy ring research. Um, and it's been, uh, anyway, that, that's, I guess that's why I'm here today, to talk about fairy ring. Yeah, <laughs> so so that, sorry that for is, a long-winded introduction there. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's, well, any answer you give us is going to be long-winded, Mike. We know that. Yes, so we, I know, damn it. I know. We, we've extended the recording for today um, <laughs> by 25 minutes. So well, um, I, anyway, I don't, no. to, I don't get to talk at home. That's why I'm so happy to have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is the reason we brought Dr. Fidanzo onto the show today um, um, to talk about fairy ring. Um, and, and for, for our listeners um, it is, what is fairy ring, Mike? What is it? We I hear mm -hmm. um, I hear pictures. I'm on Twitter. I see fairy ring Friday. I see pictures. Um, tell me, t tell me what it is. What 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 are the you know how do why do I call it fairy ring and what is it? Yeah. Oh, that, that's that's a great question. Uh, you mentioned the Twitter. Um, today is Friday, so we'll we'll see a hashtag Frisky Fairy Ring Friday, which we started a few years ago, where folks post fairy ring pictures in turf, and it's been great. We get photos from all over the world uh, posting fairy ring. It's funny, fairy ring is um. There's so much folklore with fairy ring. People, when people say the word fairy ring, they think of mushrooms popping up in circles, you know, these circular or semicircular fashion. These rings or circles of mushrooms. Um, there's all this European folklore about 
mushrooms popping up in the middle of the night uh, in, in wooded areas or in pastures. And it could mean some, some European cultures or uh, uh, countries would say that it's good luck if you see fairy rings. Other would say it's bad luck. In uh, Austria and Germany, they call them hex rings. Um, and uh, they early on, like, you know, in the Middle e medieval times, they would say, well, little fairies sprinkled dust and, and the next day all these mushrooms appeared. And, and uh, if, if you go and walk inside the ring and dance, uh, it'll bring you good luck. And there's all, anyway, there's all kinds of charming folk tales and folklore about fairy ring. But, and I will say, I'm going to brag a moment here. I, in all the turf grass diseases, of all the turf grass diseases, I think the fairy ring disease was the very, actually the very first scientifically published disease. It was back, in, I think, to the um, 1804. <laughs> this was before brown patch and spring dead spot and dollar spot. Uh, so we could kind of claim that fairy ring is the first documented turf grass disease. It actually goes back to fit in the 1500s. There's a document, but I'm trying to chase that one down. But fairing itself, um, people see these mushrooms popping up in circles and you say, okay, that, that's fairy ring. Um, but it really comes down to it's caused by a fungus. It's not caused by magical fairies or, uh, or evil spirits or witches or anything like that. Uh, it's caused by a fungus, a basidiomycete fungus. Like Jeff and Tanner, you probably like, maybe you like mushrooms on your steak or mushrooms on your pizza. It's the, it's the same family, the basidiomycetes. They're the uh, mushroom-producing uh, fungi. And there's two types of mushrooms. really comes down to, you can you know, sim uh, simplify it. You get the toadstool types, and then you get the puffball types. They're both the fruiting bodies of the fungus, the, the mushrooms, if you will. But you, you'll see both types. In, in sand-based soils and root zones, you tend to see more of the puffball types. In mineral soils, you tend to see more of the toadstool types, but you know, be that as it may, uh, you'll you'll find these mushrooms. Now, when do you find mushrooms? I get a question like, well, wh when do these mushrooms show up? A lot of times in lawns, you'll see them after a rainfall. You'll get a, a thunderstorm come through or heavy rain, and then the next day or a day or two later, you'll see all these mushrooms popping up, and they can occur in nice circles or they can occur in sort of groups or clusters. The mycologists call them troops when they occur like that. Um, and again, um, there's nothing magical or secret about these fairy rings. They're, again, they're caused by basidiomycetes. And um, believe it or not, there's about over 60 documented basidiomycete species that can cause uh, visual fairy ring symptoms in turf. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I think we probably see 10 to 12 species more common than others. Um, you know, the, the white button mushroom you get at the grocery store, that's agaricus is the species, right? Um, the little white button mushroom agaricus. And we see the agaricus type species in lawns and landscapes, the wild type, you know. Um, and then there's, there's the puffball types, of course. And then there's a few others that, that we tend to see more often. Um, now, I mentioned, uh, let's see, the... Um, uh, the visual symptoms of turf grass, I mean, the visual symptoms of fairy ring in turf grass. Um, this goes back, um, goes back to the, I think, 1950s and 60s when some of the earlier turf pathologists were 
you know, making observations on ferreting. And so they came up with sort of three types, three visual types, type one, two, and three. And um, uh, I'll start with type three. When you see mushrooms popping up, that's type three ferreting symptoms. Mushrooms popping up in a circle or semicircle or here and there. That, that's called type three ferreting symptoms. Type two symptoms are the one we often see the dark green rings or semicircles or, or arcs. And there's a reason why it's dark green. I'll, I'll circle back to that, <laughs> no pun intended. And then the type one symptoms are when you have dead turf. You don't, we want to avoid type one symptoms. We don't want to see dead turf. Type two symptoms, the dark green rings, now that's okay. We don't like to see those either, but that's it's not, it can't be, it may not be that bad. And the type three symptoms when the mushrooms pop up, um, that's usually easily um, managed by just gnawing over them, that kind of thing. Um, hey, Mike. Oh, go ahead. Yep, go ahead, Tanner. Question here. So we see, you talk about yep. these type three that are, they produce mushrooms. Now, yeah. like if you see mushrooms in your lawn, like the smaller mushrooms, not like the big ones, but just smaller mushrooms, yep. are they likely a fair, coming from a fairy ring type fungus or not necessarily? Oh, uh, uh, yes. I, I would group them in as a the fairy ring type fungus. When you get those little mushrooms, we call them the, uh, the pathologist, plant pathologist and mycologist call those very scientific term. Uh, um, LBM, little brown mushrooms. <laughs> we call yeah, you see those little mushrooms popping up. And yes, they're, they're, they're part of the, you classify them as fairy ring causing fungi. Even if you um, don't see an mushroom. actual fairy ring, even if you that's, don't even, that, okay. That's right. That's, that's correct. You, you don't have to see a, a dark green ring or a dead ring of turf. Uh, you could just see those mushrooms showing up in little clusters or little troops or, or um, they can assemble themselves in a the ring as well. And a lot of times th those, those mushrooms will pop up and then they'll just, you know, a day or two when the sun comes out, they'll just wither. And their whole purpose is to, is to open up their, the cap and disperse their billions of spores that are in the underside. It's, a, it's an amazing machinery that the, 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 fung the actual mushroom is comp composed of. It's, a, it's a designed to disperse billions of spores. Um, what I've seen, though, uh, and it's something to keep in mind on sports fields and lawns and landscapes, when you see various mushrooms popping up, um, it's an indication that, that there's a fungal, fungal mycelial mass in the, in the root zone or in the soil. And just keep an eye on that area. Um, many times, nothing really happens. You mow them off and it's fine. But sometimes later on in the summer when it's hot and dry, the areas where you've seen those mushrooms pop up, they might, you might get sort of these localized dry spots. You might get these little dry patch areas. And it's an indication that the fungal mycelium is in that root zone. It's colonizing the, the thatch and it can cause uh, these dry patches, uh, it's localized dry spot areas. So again, the, the mushrooms can be an indication of any future problem. Um, let's see, I mentioned the dark green rings, right? And this is the fascinating part. This, again, this is the plant pathology, mycology, nerd stuff coming out. But the fungus, it's, it's breaking down organic matter, right? That's, it's, it's, um, that's what it's geared. That's what it's made for. It breaks down organic matter. It's colonizing the root zone. It's, it's colonizing the soil and the thatch. Ferring fungi, the, these organisms do not infect turf grass directly like, like brown patch wood or dollar spot or the fungus that causes summer patch. Um, 
the furring fungi, they just want to live their life and in, in harmony with turf. You know, everybody wants to be happy and get along. But what will happen is it breaks down your organic matter, colonizes that, and it can break down some of the fats because it likes lignin fungi. And you'll find some lignin components in that. Anyways, it breaks down organic matter. It's releasing nitrogen. And then the turf grass takes up this nitrogen. So where you see those dark green rings or dark green circles, um, that, that means that the mycelium is under there breaking down the soil, so to speak, and all that nitrogen is released. Well, the ammonium is released, converted to nitrate. So you get this dose of, of, of nitrate that, that the turf takes up. So that's why you see those dark green rings. And then sometimes those green rings can just dissipate after a rainfall or two. Um, sometimes they'll just hang on for a while until the plant takes up all that nitrogen. Um, you got to be careful. You guys probably seen this where you get those dark green rings. And then when it gets the turf stimulated, it grows a lot there. And, and then you go to mow that off and you get scalping. Um, uh, you, you, you can, this, is, this is commonly seen on lawns and landscapes. Um, golf course greens, of course, sports fields, no exception. Um, what we want to avoid is sometimes you'll see those dark green rings start to wilt along the edges. And the, and the plants within that green zone, so to speak, start wilting and dying. Um, and then, the, then you end up with brown dead turf. This is type one symptom. What's happening is there, the root zone is high, becomes hydrophobic. The, the plants, the roots of the turf grass plant can't take up water and nutrients because the ferrarine fungus, the mycelial mass, the vegetative body of that fungus is just growing in the thatch, growing in the soil and the area becomes hydrophobic. And uh, then you have a mess on your hands. <laughs> that's that's what we want to avoid. Okay, so so hope hope your your listeners uh, again uh, just to kind of summarize the visual symptoms of fairy ring type one, two, and three. One's the most severe necrotic dead turf. Type two are the dark green rings. Type three are the mushrooms that pop up. Now these these symptoms don't they can occur singly singularly like that one, two, or three, and they can occur all together. You can have a dark green ring with mushrooms popping up uh, inside that ring or along the perimeter. And then you could have dead zones along that, that ring as well. So they can all occur together. If you have all three, you hit the home run there, so to speak. <laughs> so again, no, no exception, lawns, landscapes, sports fields, golf course, turf, you see fairy ring everywhere. Because again, I think these mushrooms have, these, these, these the mushroom fungi, have been around since the dawn of time. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so they're out there. And most of the time, again, uh, you have adequate soil moisture and the, you could take a soil sample and you'll find the city of my seed fungi in there. They're, they're growing, doing their thing. Everybody's happy. And uh, what we see though is in the summer months when turf is cool, especially cool season grasses, heat stress, drought stress, things are slowing down. Uh, we tend to see these fairy rings more in the, um, in, in the summer. And I, I think that makes sense because turf might be maybe under, under nourished, under fertilized. And so the visual symptoms of those fairy rings, uh, they, they're more pronounced. They're more pronounced. Yeah. So how am I doing so far, Jeff and Tanner with the, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, you know, I was just sitting here thinking actually Tanner, he set himself up perfect for one of our strike three questions. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, 
we we've got him right where we want him <laughs> on one of your favorite questions. Oh, yeah. um, but Mike, so so I, I'll remind our listeners here today. Um, our our special guest um, today is Dr. Mike Fidanza. Mike is a professor of plant and soil science at Penn State University, um, based on, at one of our Commonwealth campuses down in Reading, Pennsylvania, at the Berks campus. Um, so, Mike. Once I once I figure out that I have fairy ring, um, or that fairy that I have rings, is there is there something I need to do um, chemically to control, or mm-hmm. is it is it mostly cultural control, or do I turn my head and pretend like pretend I don't see it, or <laughs> what? what, yeah. what do, yeah. talk to me about control. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, there's um. There's cultural practices, and, and then there's, uh, there's chemical controls. Um, let's look at cultural practices first. One of the things you think about is, is uh, organic matter management. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about fats. You'll, you tend to see fairy ring symptoms, or let's just say you know, fairy ring showing up in sites, um, lawns and, and golf course roughs and greens and sports fields with, with um heavy organic matter layers, thatch, heavy thatch or thick thatch layers. Uh, again, this fungus, it's a, uh, these fungi, these Basidiomyces fungi, they, they love lignin, they love their wood decaying fungi. Um, that's just their nature. And uh, they love to colonize thatch. So, so long-term, you know, a thatch management program on lawns and landscapes would be your best, so, uh, one good practice to to kind of uh, reduce the incidence of fairy ring from showing up. Um, it, may, it may reduce the severity. You still may see some fairy ring here and there, but it may not be as severe. So, so thatch management, and, I, and um, you guys, I know you've talked about that in the past. Um, uh, there's no like, uh, for example, there's no um, species that you can plant. Like let's say you have a tall fescue lawn and you get all kinds of fairy. Uh, you can't replace it with Kentucky bluegrass or ryegrass. Fairy ring doesn't differentiate <laughs> like that. All turf grass, you'll find fairy ring in all turf grass species, both warm season and cool season. So we can't talk about resistant cultivars and or resistant turf species or anything like that. So so your thatch management is important. Um, your um, uh, it, it, when you do see uh, fairy ring symptoms, um, one thing you can do is is uh, punch holes. Uh, core airify or aerate in some way to get oxygen into the root zone to help um, open up some channels um, for when it rains or when you get some, if you can put irrigation onto the lawn, it'll help move water and air into the root zone. This helps improve um, the uh, health of the turf to kind of uh, sort of, uh, in a way, outcompete the fairing fungus. And, and, and get that turf health moving in the right direction. Um, and physically, punching holes might break up some of the fungal mycelium. Um, there's other cultural practices too. For example, fertilizers. Um, let's say you have a backyard, two dark green rings, right? And, and, and you're having some nice uh, fancy party in your back lawn, Jeff, and you want, you're inviting Dr. McNitt down and other dignitaries and but you don't want to see these dark green circles. So you can apply fertilizer, let's say a, a highly soluble nitrogen or, uh, or iron 
to uh, mask the symptoms. You can, you can mask the symptoms of these fairings. The only problem with that is we don't know how much nitrogen or how much iron to put down. Uh, you just got to put down enough iron and nitrogen to get that, to get your whole back lawn looking dark, dark green. So you mask the fairy <laughs> symptoms. Well, and this is you short know, term. <laughs> you know, Mike, the other thing is, you know, we're yep. here we are, we're in the, the Olympic year. So oh, if yeah. you have two of them, you could, you should maybe try to, to, to cultivate three more and make them <laughs> grow together. And you could put the Olympic rings um, yeah. <laughs> in your in your yard, right? That that I, I, I you know it's I, I wish I could get again. I mentioned I'm I grew up I'm a mushroom farmer at heart, but I I wish I could grow fairing mushrooms in the backyard like that. That would be that would be great. That would look good. Um, the other thing though, if if you're really motivated, um, you can actually excavate and dig out the fairy rings. And uh, I've seen this done. You have to strip the sod. You have to dig out the soil, remove the soil, or you could rot it. If you rot it till the soil and mix it up and till it up, uh, the fungus can still be in that root zone and it could come back later, later on in subsequent years. But ideally, if you have to dig out, a, physically remove the site, you, you strip the sod, discard the sod, uh, discard the soil, replace it with new soil, new sod or seed. Um, that's labor intensive. Uh, I've seen this done on golf courses on occasion, but uh, again, it's an option, but not a very good option. <laughs> it's labor intensive and probably expensive to do. So, the, so the cultural practices thing, uh, Tanner, you mentioned irrigation deeply and infrequently. Um, I think that's very important. Uh, when what the let's talk about the environment for a minute, the environmental conditions. When you get these rainfall events, you get these wet dry cycles. That seems to trigger the fairing fungus to go into its um, its active mode, so to speak. And you see these dark green rings or you see mushrooms popping up. We get a rainfall, we get the thunderstorm coming in, and then it gets hot and dry for a few days. And then another rainfall and then it gets hot and dry. So these sort of wet, dry cycles triggers fairing fungi to, to do its thing and cause these symptoms in turf. So folks that are irrigating, avoid the light frequent irrigation. Deep and infrequent is definitely the way to go. Um, that, that improves the health of the turf and and uh, you sort of tend to get a sort of a uniform wetting front in your root zone and it'll keep the fairing fungi happy. Um, the, the problem with, I always worry about with these fairing fungi is when they rapidly colonize the root zone and the thatch, then they, they, they go hydrophobic. Very difficult to re-wet. The turf can't grab water and nutrients and we see these dead green rings. So that so uh, to answer your question about the, the cultural practices thing, there are some options um, uh, that that we can do to to um, manage the symptoms or mitigate the symptoms, prevent the symptoms of, of visual symptoms of fairing. Chemically, though, um, there's a couple of options. One is using a soil surfactant. Um, soil surfactants are very very important to uh, overcome the the water repellency or hydrophobic conditions associated with fair ring root zone. Uh, there are many, many soil surfactants out in the marketplace. Um, I know golf courses and sport field folks use soil surfactants. I'm not sure they're used that often in, in lawn care, uh, but that's certainly an option. What a soil surfactant will do is, again, overcome the uh, hydrophobic root zone conditions. But it's, as you guys know, it's very important when you apply soil surfactant 
they have to be watered in. They have to get to the soil. You can't just let them sit there on the turf canopy. <laughs> so applying a social factor, water it in. It helps if you're punching holes or solid tining first to help get air and water and that social factor down into the patch, into the root zone. This will help um, mitigate symptoms of fairy ring and help turf recover. The last case resort is using a fungicide. Um, what a fungicide will do is sort of stop the fungus in its tracks but then you have to still help the turf recover. And a soil surfactant will help in, in this regard as well. Uh, what folks do on sports fields and golf courses, they'll tank mix fungicides and a, a fungicide and a soil surfactant. They'll together apply it, water them both in. That's a, that's a very effective uh, program for, uh, for, for mitigating, uh, mitigating fairing. I'm not sure how feasible that is for lawns, uh, it was, was, you know, for fungicides being being um, expensive for, for, for lawn care. But that is an option. And you don't have to treat the whole lawn or the whole, the whole area. You know, really just spot treat areas where you see the fairy ring. But uh, again, the cultural practices, just keep that long-term vision in mind of this turf 101, right? Batch management, proper mowing. You don't want to avoid scalping, avoid any kind of stress. Grow turf grass roots. The more roots you grow, the better. That could help overcome any fairing uh, fungi uh, that are sort of occupying those, that same space. Is there a uh, certain class of fungicide that you that work best? It's not probably not just any fungicide, right? You need to use a certain. Yeah, good, good, good point, uh, Tanner. There's um, there's several fungicides now labeled for fairy ring. The first one was called ProStar. The active ingredient is flutalinil, and it, it was uh, developed in the 1990s. It was the first one labeled for uh, for fairy ring. Now it's available as ProStar and with from Bayer and Pedigree from PBI Gordon. Pedigree is a liquid formulation, and there that's the newest formulation of Flutalina called Pedigree. That's still one of the best ones in in my fairy ring uh, fungicide trials. I compare all of the fungicides to to Pedigree. Um, Heritage works well. I know there's Heritage. Um, there's a granular heritage for lawns, I believe, uh, that, that that might be a good option for fairing in lawns. Um, uh, heritage is, 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 a, is a, a, a strobe chemistry. ProStar and Pedigree is SDHIs. Heritage is your, is your strobes. Um, all, those two classes work very well against fairing. Exemplar is a good product. Insignia, Insignia is a strobe. Exemplar is a, is a SDHI. Um, and there's a few others, and I'm not mentioning it. I don't mean to not mention them, but there, there are about a few others that are also labeled for fairing, and they're they're all very good. They've all been tested in university trials, but I, I've seen fungicides work very well, and I've seen them fail miserably because of not being watered in. So anytime folks are going to use a fungicide for fairing, don't forget you got to water them in or rinse them in, as the late Stan Zontek used to say. Um, so again. And that one other thing too, I want to say about fungicides. Sometimes one application is not enough, and I know it's it's not it's not something you want to hear. Folks want to hear. Sometimes you make an application of a fungicide and a soil surfactant, water them in, and fairing symptoms will, will sort of dissipate. But then three or four weeks later, depending on the environmental conditions, if it's hot, if it's dry, fairing symptoms may come back. So you might need a second application. Sometimes they don't come back. Sometimes they do come back. 
fairy ring is mysterious and very elusive. And uh, again, I've been studying fairy ring for many years and still scratching the surface trying to understand this, this organism. It's very, very <laughs> elusive. Um, if I could figure out how to grow fairy ring in turf, um, then I can inoculate my own plots and do more testing. <laughs> but I rely on folks with lawns and, and sports fields and golf courses to do fairing testing on actual sites uh, to, to, uh, to try to uh, capture some control data. But yeah, so to your point, Tanner, that there are many fungicides now available labeled for fairing, and they're all very good or else they wouldn't be labeled, but they're not going to be very good if they're not applied properly. So that, that's the only caveat. With this, uh, yeah. with this complex, uh, complex disease that we have. So we're we're running short on time. Oh shoot! Sorry, not. Jeff. Oh uh, damn! No, no, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> we got me talking uh, about fairy ring. No, <laughs> I, I, so I, I don't have many jobs for for this podcast, but keeping time and 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 keeping things moving is one of them. And I knew we wouldn't have any trouble keeping things moving today um, with our <laughs> guests. So, Tanner, do you have any last last questions before we try to strike out Dr. Pedanza with our three strikes and out? No, actually, he covered just about everything that yeah. I think we wanted to talk about. Well, I'll say, well, Tanner, you mentioned the humongous fungus. That That's, a, that's an organism, the honey mushroom fungus, that occupied the wooded area in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Uh, you could say it's the world's largest fairy ring. I think it occupies um, hundreds of miles, uh, again, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And it's called the humongous fungus. And every year they have a humongous fungus festival, which I've never been. I've never been. Maybe maybe someday I'll be the grand marshal. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, well, you can, you, can, you can certainly figure out a way to make that into your professional development event for a year, couldn't you? I should, darn it. I mean, if, if, with a name like that, you, you should be able to get there. So I, we really appreciate you coming on with us today, um, Mike. Um, it, it's Thank been, you. I think, very educational for not only our listeners, but also for me, because um, um, I've... I've scratched the surface less on on fairy ring than most topics that we've um, talked about here on the show. So great information, thank you very much. But we're not going to let you off yet. Um, we're, we're not going. We're not. We're not going to shut down your microphone yet. We we have this little bit of a tradition that that we do with our guests. It, it's a it's a, a three strikes and you're out. We ask you three random questions. Um, that we have not told you about or we've not asked you about um, before. So okay. um, we're going to start, uh, and you give us three random answers. Um, so, so the first one, I'm going to I'm going to give you the the old lob ball. I'm going to give you a, a softball underhand <laughs> pitch here first, and ask okay. you your your favorite non turf pastime. Oh, okay, uh, my favorite non turf pastime. Um, well, before I answer that question, I want to thank Jeff and Tan. I want to thank you for inviting me. And I want to thank the turfgrass industry out there, your listeners, <laughs> for supporting Valentine East and what we're doing at Penn State. It, it means a lot. I couldn't have done it without, uh, and I can't continue to do this <laughs> without support. So I want to make sure I got that in. Now, yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a good way to delay your answer. Yes, I know. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, no, but I, 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 do have, I do have an answer. Um, I think my favorite non-turf pastime is um, I get together with these old Italian guys, and I'm 
I just turned 56. I guess I'm becoming an old Italian guy. And, and, uh, and we make wine. We, uh, we, we make wine. We buy the grape juice uh, from a, uh, the produce place in Philadelphia. We don't, we don't buy the grapes to crush them. That's too much work. We buy the grape juice and we, and we, and we make uh, different varieties and we make wine. It, it's a lot of fun, um, a lot of drinking and eating and telling stories, but that, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> do you like, do you like sweet wines or dry wines? Uh, I think more, um, more, more on the dry side, more on the dry side. Um, the sweet wines once in a while for dessert wines, but more on the dry side. Yeah. And the reds, more the reds. <laughs> so so making, making wine is a lot like every meal in Italy then for you, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's an it's an event, right? It, you, you can't, you don't, you don't, there's not time in the day to eat three meals a day in Italy. Um, they, I mean, they would that's start so running into each other. <laughs> uh, Jeff, that is, that is so true. I've, I've been to Italy uh, several times. I'm fortunate to, to, um, to, to meet, to visit my cousins over there and get to know them. And, and that's true, Jeff. It's a, eating is an event. It's a, I have to, I have to go on a diet before I get to Italy. So I, I got to train myself. Yeah. But no, that's, that's, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a lot of fun to make wine with those, with those older guys. Yeah, I'll bet. Tanner, what do you have for Mike today? All right. So we talked a little bit about the mystique and the, I guess, uh, maybe magical powers, maybe that these fairy rings can have. So that led me to think kind of a two-part question. Do you think Bigfoot exists and do you think aliens exist? <laughs> wow, that's a good question. Um, I I don't I don't think Bigfoot exists. Well, all our technology today, we haven't been able to find him or her. Um, with everybody's cameras and cell phones, uh, anyway. So I don't think Bigfoot exists, but I, I do want I want to believe that Bigfoot exists. Aliens, I don't think I don't think we're being visited by aliens. I think. We're probably just seeing military aircraft flying around. Uh, I, I would, I want to believe we're being visited by aliens, uh, uh, folks from other other places, uh, and maybe they have sports fields and other planets that that we can uh, <laughs> that we can help them with, you know. But I, again, I, I just, I, you know, if, if they're visiting us, why don't they just uh, uh, fly their flying saucer and park it at Valentine East and say, "Hey, how you doing? Welcome." Anyway. <laughs> Well, I've that's, thought that's, for years. That's my gut feeling. I've thought for years that those big green circles that I saw in yards were where they were flying saucers went down. Apparently, that's not the case. Yeah, I, yeah, I, no. I, I, I learned today. I, I learned today that it's really fairy ring. Yeah. Um, so, so the third, the third pitch we have for you, Mike, um, is one you may have to think about a little bit, but we, we'll give you time to think of it. Um, if you could start a secret society. Of any of any kind, of any kind, a secret society. What yeah. would your society be? Oh well, I, I, geez, I guess it has to be the uh, the secret society of the fairy ring, right? Why not? I know folks dedicated to uh, to doing uh, good works in the name of the fairy ring. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's a good idea, Jeff. We could start a secret fairy ring society. That could we, be. Good. We've had. I, I have to. I have to admit, we've had more exciting secret societies on this on, on this <laughs> I'm show. Sure. 
I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, we've we've had um, old music. We've had bourbon lovers or Scotch lovers. We've had um, yes. Um, um, we've had all kind. Co- we've had more exciting than the Secret Society uh, of Fairy within Fairy Ring when we've just talked about Fairy Ring for forty five minutes. We did. It's it's on my mind. Well, I I joined that Scotch Society. I would I would join that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you you can I imagine who that. that's <laughs> you can imagine who that society leader was. Um, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. So yeah. our our for our listeners, um, we've been we've been talking to Dr. Mike Fidanza today about Fairy Ring. Um, been great having you on the show, Mike. We'll have to have you back you. to talk about something other than Fairy Ring. Um, yes, maybe yes. maybe this, maybe this winter we can uh, we could do a food show or something like that, and we'll have you on to talk about making good Italian wine. Oh um, God, I love it. I love that. Yes. <laughs> so, um, for our listeners, um, um, this is Fresh Cut Grass, and if you have questions or episodes that you'd like for us to address. Um, our email is real simple. It's freshcutgrass at psu.edu. You can throw us some questions. You can throw us a topic that you'd like for us to, to, ha- to talk about on the show, even a special guest that you'd like for us to have on. Um, feel free, freshcutgrass at psu.edu. Tanner, I'm going to let you sign us off today. It's been great today, um, but I'm going to let you tell everybody goodbye. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, again, I appreciate Mike for coming on and look forward to uh, having our next guest on. Everyone take care.